What's up, One Tribe Church? Uh, Donnie Griggs here from Moorhead City, North Carolina, um, all the way over in America, at One Harbor Church. Um, awesome to be with you guys. Uh, Jambo Bariaco, um, that's about it. I mean, I know a few more words, but no sense embarrassing myself. Um, I was with you guys a, a few years ago on a Sunday, and man, just um, incredible to hear all the things that's happened along the way. And Monisi has kept me posted through the years. And man, we love you guys. And it's a privilege to get to sort of be with you this morning to encourage you. Um, and Monisi asked me to um, to share a little bit with you about how a church can can be on kind of quote unquote mission, how they can stay on mission. And this is, this is uh, if this, that concept's new to you, it's really... Um, you know, a, a church saying we want to do more than sort of pull off good Sunday services. We actually want our community to be better because we're here. We want the people around us, the you know, the the darkness in people's lives to, to you know, be impacted by the gospel of Jesus. We, we want to see lives changed all around us. And so um, it's, it's something that I love to talk about and, um, and love to encourage you with this morning. Um, you know, just a, a verse that comes to mind when I think about this is Jeremiah 29, 7, where God's people are in exile. You know, they, you know, probably sort of wondering why on earth are we here and how do we get here? This, you know, we don't want to be here. And, and, and God speaks to Jeremiah and tells his people while they're in exile, he says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. And it's just this incredible sort of picture where God says, hey, you're, you're there because I sent you there. And here's what I want you to do while you're there. Don't just plan an escape, you know, actually seek the welfare of that place and pray to the Lord on its behalf. And so it's just like in a nutshell, that's kind of what I think about when I think about a church on mission. It's this, uh, it's, it's a people who are going, hey, we're here because God has put us here and we want to seek the welfare of this place and we want to pray to the Lord on its behalf. Um, now, where you and I live is, is really different in a lot of ways. I mean, you're in a major city in Africa and I'm in a little tiny town in America, um, but, but there's a lot of similarities too. So there's differences, but there, there's some similarities as well. And uh, I was just so struck by the beauty of Nairobi and, and you know, everywhere I went in Kenya, I was just blown away by how beautiful it is. Um, and no doubt if you visited here, you would, you would think it's beautiful too. I mean, we have all these little islands and a lot of them are uninhabited. Some of them had, have wild horses that came from shipwrecks and it's, it's, it's crazy beautiful, right? Um, so where you live is beautiful and where I, I live is really beautiful, but also where you live is really broken. Um, and I was just, you know, so impacted by story after story after story of the kinds of hard, sad things that you guys are facing and the folks in Nairobi are facing. And, um, you know, the ways in which the enemy has gotten it right culturally and, and with addiction and with all kinds of things. So that's true for where you live, but it's also true where I live. Um, we have just a ton of really hard, sad things happening all the time. It feels like it feels like way more things than should be happening in a place so small. Uh, so where we live is beautiful and where we, we live is broken. And where you live and where I live, people all around us are facing problems that only Jesus can fix. And, and so... There is, um, you know, in that way, there's tons of what we could call redemptive potential. There's tons of opportunity for the gospel to impact um, where we live all around us. So many people around us who, who still need Jesus. Um, now, a lot's happened since I was with you last time. That was back in February of 2018, which feels like another lifetime, um, you know, with COVID and all the stuff that's going on. I mean, a lot has changed uh, in the last kind of four or so years. Um, and so much of the world has changed. You know, we're living in very confusing times and 
probably, you know, maybe you like, like me throughout this sort of last several years have, have hit multiple times where you just thought, let's just kind of hit pause and just camp out for a while. I mean, you know, um, w- when we get on the other side of COVID or whatever, like m- maybe then we can re-engage and love and serve our community, but let's just sort of dial it back and push pause. And um, But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, there are some things that really should never change uh, no, no matter how crazy the time that we're living in uh, is. And so we're gonna look at a passage uh, this morning in the Bible where um, the, those, the people that are involved in the story, they've been through a lot. Um, and a really cool part of the story is it's actually about a guy from Ethiopia, just to the north of you guys. Um, so we're gonna jump into Acts chapter eight, verses 26 through 40. Um, I'm reading from the ESV. So if you've got a different version, it might just sound a little different. Um, this is a really cool story. So let's jump in. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go to the south, uh, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. There, uh, this is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me and invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, quote, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opens not his mouth and his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? Is it about himself or is it someone else? And Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. And it's an exclamation point there because remember they're in a desert. And so this is, this is a, a miraculous event. There's water here in the desert. Here's water. Well, what, what prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water and Philip in the, in the eunuch, he baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. As he, as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. What an incredible story, right? I mean, obviously pretty neat thing happens there at the end where Philip essentially gets transported to, to another place by the Holy Spirit. I mean, that, that is wild. And when we get to heaven, let's all find Philip and figure out what went on there. Um, but I think this is a great case study uh, for those of us, you know, followers of Jesus who wanna know, wanna learn how can we love and serve people around us? How can we be a good missionary? Um, now, if you're watching this, you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you're kind of just checking this whole thing out. First of all, I'm so glad that you're with us this morning. And I think that takes a lot of courage to come to a church meeting when you're not really sure if you even believe all this. Um, uh, something that you may wonder or have wondered before, if that's you, is kind of why do Christians love telling or why do they, why do they love telling or why do they tell other people about Jesus? Why, what's the, why can't they sort of just keep it to themselves? 
Um, and I, if that's a question you've asked, I think that's a good question. It's not because um, there's some sort of like, I don't know if you guys have this in, in Nairobi, but we call it a pyramid scheme in America, which is, you know, it's these businesses where like one, you have to get 10 friends and they tell 10 friends and they tell 10 friends. And then, you know, you're at the top here. And if, you know, these guys all tell enough friends and get enough people involved in this business and you make a whole bunch of money. Um, it's not like that. It's not like if I tell 10 friends about Jesus and they each tell 10 friends, then when I get to heaven, I'm going to get some, you know, extra big mansion or something. That that's not what this is. Um, we, we don't do it so that we'll get something from Jesus. Um, good, good followers of Jesus tell other people about Jesus because of how good Jesus has been to us. Um, and so in this way, really every Christian is meant to be a missionary. Um, we're meant to be a missionary. Um, and, and Nairobi needs hundreds and thousands of, of missionaries, right? Uh, people who've been impacted by Jesus, who are sharing the love of Jesus. So let's look at this passage and see kind of what we can learn about how to be a good missionary. Um, in verse 26 and in verse 29, we see these two things kind of happen. An angel uh, said to Philip, rise and go to the south. And then uh, in verse 29, the spirit said to him, go over and join his chariot. And so what we see kind of here is Philip's not sort of selfishly just living his life, doing whatever he wants, plotting his own course, just, you know, uh, like living selfishly. No, uh, we, we see here, like Philip, good missionaries are obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading. That's, that's, that's incredible what we see here. Good missionaries are obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading. Um, maybe you read this and think, well, it'd be easy if this happened. I mean, if an angel came to me this morning and said, get up and go over to this part of town, I'd, I'd go, you know, or if the Holy Spirit said, go do that, I'd go. It could, it'd be easy to sort of like read this and go, well, yeah, I mean, if that happened, okay, I'll do it. But, you know, um, that if you're a follower of Jesus, that the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that spoke to Philip, that same Holy Spirit dwells in you. And he's with you everywhere you go every single day. And, and so today, when, when you leave uh, church this morning, you're, you'll go wherever you go. And everywhere you go, the Holy Spirit will be with you. That same spirit that spoke to Philip, that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is, is in you and with you. And everyone around you, this is another whole layer. The Holy Spirit knows everything about them. Every single person you bump into, you see, you drive past, every single one of them, the Holy Spirit knows everything about all of them. He knows every pain, every struggle, shame, sin, affliction, everything. He knows everything. He knows how they're grieving. He knows the big questions they have about who God is. And so he's in you. He knows everything about them. And then kind of all that together, he, he wants to use me and you like he used Philip to impact those people around us. One of my favorite verses is Acts 17. Um, we read here that in verse 26, that God made from one man, every nation, right? Uh, there's that one tribe kind of of your name, you know, every nation of mankind. So there's God made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. You're there and I'm here, right? And then it says this, having determined, God, this God determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling, time and place. So God did sort of, he didn't make it where we'd live all over the world, but it wasn't just like he scattered us. He intentionally placed us like a, a GPS drop pin. He, he put you there right now and he put me here right now. And everywhere you go, he, he allotted all of that, which is amazing to think about. It, it means that wherever you're at, the people, person sitting next to you right now, God, God decided they'd sit next to you. That is wild, right? That's an incredible thought. So, um, 
good missionaries are obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading and, and, and you have got this, this Holy Spirit that, wants to, that lives in us and wants to use us. And so if you're wondering, where do I even begin with that? Well, just pray and ask God every day. Just pray something like this. You know, Holy Spirit, Jesus said, you're the helper. Help me. Help me to in, engage and serve and, and, and point people to Jesus like Philip did. Use me like you use Philip. Every day you can pray that prayer. Um, the next thing we see is how uh, Philip points him to Jesus. In verse 34, uh, the eunuch said, about whom I asked, does the prophet say this? Is it about himself? Is it someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and he beginning, beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Now, um, there are passages of scripture, like imagine John three sixteen. So say you're Philip, you run up to this chariot and you get there and, and the guy's, you know, he's, the eunuch's sitting there in the chariot and he says, you know, he's reading, you know, for, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He turns and says, who's this about? Oh man, you know, that, 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 that's an easy one right there, right? Um, but it's not John three sixteen. it's Isaiah 53. And Philip begins with this scripture. He doesn't go, uh, you got another verse? Is there anything else you got? Because I, no, he starts right there. And so um, good missionaries are skilled at pointing people to Jesus. I, I think that there's a sense in which like the Holy Spirit obviously helped Philip do this, but, but also that this shows here that like Philip spent time in the word looking for Jesus. And he's got, he's got some, it's like, a, it's like an athlete you know, there's, even when, there's, um, when they're off season, whether it's like rugby or cricket or, or whatever, um, in the off season, they're doing a lot of work to get ready for when the game comes. Philip's clearly done a lot of work here. He has, this is not the first time, I don't think it's occurred to Philip that Isaiah 53 is about Jesus. He gets right to it. He's like, oh, that's Jesus. He spent time in the off season getting ready uh, for moments like this. Um, he, he's, learned, he's learned how to do this. And, and this is a, a great skill for us as followers of Jesus to learn. And if you're going, oh, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, I have, would have to go to like a, a seminary or a Bible college. No way, no way. In, in fact, the, the, the elders, the pastors there at one tribe, the, any of the leaders, they'd love to help you learn how to do this. Um, so he, he's, he's, he's got that going for him. He's good at just jumping in and, 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 pointing, and pointing someone to Jesus from anywhere in the Bible. That is a great skill to learn. Additionally, he's good at asking questions. So he doesn't just barge in. He says, hey, um, tell me, do you, do you understand what you're reading? He, he's, in, he's engaging the eunuch. He's asking him good questions. And, and, and a lot of times us Christians, we're, we're much better at sort of quoting Bible verses at people than we are asking good questions. And, and, and Jesus was a master at this. If you go and look at, just look at what he did. He asked lots of questions and he was always drawing, he was drawing people's story out. He was, he was, he was inviting them and he was, he was, he was getting them to, to open up. And so that's a skill that this guy had. And I think that's a skill for us to learn. Um, and then also I love that he, he gets in the chariot. Now, look, I'm not trying to read too much into the story here, but it doesn't take much. Um, it's thousands of years ago. So there's no air conditioning, you know, uh, there's no, it wasn't, it wasn't rolling the windows up and turning on the air condition. Um, there's no electricity. Uh, there's no deodorant. Uh, there's no, like, there's none of that stuff, right? And we learn from the very beginning of this that they're in the desert. It's hot, like it's really hot. Um, so they're in the middle of the desert in this chariot. And this is this guy, this is where he's, he's, he's like living in this chariot for hundreds of miles across the, thousands of miles, right? Across the desert. He's living in this chariot. That thing, let's just, 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 it's not too much of an imagination or a stretch to say that thing probably didn't smell great, right? Um, it was, it was his home. 
but it was like a, a, a home in the middle of the desert. And, and Philip doesn't go, oh man, like holding us down. I was like, man, I'd love to talk to you, but you got to get out of that thing. Like, you know, no, he gets, he gets into the chariot with the guy. And I, I, I just have learned from experience. There's something about getting into the places where people feel comfortable. Um, when, when you and I, when we sort of, that was his comfort zone. And when you and I do that, when we get into someone's comfort zone, you know, I, I'm a pastor, I work at a church office and there's a lot of books and all that stuff. And, you know, I've learned through the years, it's not a great place to have these kinds of conversations because it's where I'm comfortable, but it's not usually where someone who's sort of checking out Christianity, it's not usually where they're comfortable. They're like, whoa, this is intimidating, you know, but I've learned that, you know, where I live, people hunt and fish. And I learned if I, if I, if I go hunting with somebody, man, they'll just, they'll open right up. If I go fishing with them, they'll open right up because that's where they're comfortable, right? So these are just some skills that I think this guy's learned here. You know, he's, he's learned how to point people to Jesus from anywhere in the Bible. He's asking good questions. He's, he's jumping into this guy's chariot where he's comfortable at. I think those are things that we can learn if we wanna be good missionaries. Now, next thing we see in verse 40 is, is Peter gets dropped totally somewhere different uh, at Azotus. And he passes through and he begins to preach the gospel to all the towns until he comes to Caesarea. And I think this is, this is a good, uh, good one for us as well. Good missionaries are willing to take the gospel to anyone, anywhere, at any time. Uh, so if, you, if we look at this whole chapter, you kind of see the anyone. It starts off with Samaritans, then there's a magician, now there's a eunuch, and now there's these other people, right? Uh, anywhere. So we start off in Jerusalem, then Samaria, then the desert, then Azotus, and then all the way to Caesarea. So anyone, anywhere, and also at any time. Um, and again, we've been all going through a lot these last several years, right? But probably not as much as these guys. Um, what's the context for how, how Philip got on this journey? Well, we see it in, in verses one through four of this chapter. Uh, there rose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles, devout men, buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. And those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Why is Philip in the desert with this, with this Ethiopian eunuch? Is he on some sort of spiritual tourism adventure? Philip was recently made a homeless nomad because of persecution. He had lost a dear friend, Stephen, who had been murdered uh, for his, his proclamation of Jesus as Lord. All of his friends had been scattered and ripped out of their homes and nobody had cell phones or email or social media. They couldn't, you know, like uh, when a major event happens, a lot of people will check in like on Facebook that they're safe. There was none of that. So he has no idea where his friends are. He knows, has no idea if they're still alive. They don't know if he, where he is or if he's still alive. I think we can all say that this was a tough time to be a follower of Jesus. Um, now, I bring that up, obviously, because we've been through some tough times the last few years. Um, and in, at least in my country, there's a sense in which people are sort of longing for the old days. Oh, I remember when it was so simple and, you know, we could just sort of do whatever we wanted. Um, but good missionaries don't sit around, you know, longing for the old days. They play whatever hand they're dealt. You know, when the going gets tough, Tough missionaries get going. And, and that's what we see here. Philip's not sitting around going, oh, I'm, you know, he's not depressed. Like, you know, oh, I, I'm, I used to have a house. I used to know where my friends were and Stephen wasn't dead and everything was easy. And, and, and now here I am. 
You know, I used to get to decide whatever I want to do, everything. Now, now the Holy Spirit just like wakes me up and says, go over here and do this. No, he's not, he's not doing that. He's not throwing a little pity party for himself. It, he, quote, went about preaching the word. Um, man, a lot has changed the last few years. And there's been some really tough times and I bet there'll be more. Um, but we have one life to live and we have lots of people around us who need Jesus. So good missionaries, we just settle. We're gonna, we're gonna take the gospel to anyone, anywhere, anytime, no matter what. No matter what happens, we're, we're not gonna let it stop us from holding out the gospel, from making much of Jesus. We're gonna, we're gonna go about preaching the word as these guys did. Now, last thing I think we see here, uh, as far as like being a good missionary, this one's easy to miss, but let's just quickly revisit that passage, Isaiah 53, um, that, that the eunuch was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. Who can describe his generation? His, his life was taken away from the earth. He said, the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I asked us the prophet say this, is about himself, is about someone else. Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scriptures, he told them the good news about Jesus. Hey, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, um, it, if you miss everything else, don't miss this. In fact, if you have everything else and you don't have this, it's not good. Good missionaries, the best thing here is that good missionaries, they never stop being amazed by Jesus. A good missionary never stops being amazed by Jesus. A lot of change for Philip. Lost a friend, didn't know where all of his other friends were. Man, totally, his life totally uprooted, chaos, persecution. But one thing was the same. Philip still loved telling people how good Jesus was. It's, um, it's a sad thing that happens for a lot of us as followers of Jesus, where the good news, you know, when we first saw Jesus for who he was, when God opened our eyes to see Jesus for who he was, and we are just like amazed. It's just like, it blows us away. It's, 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 you don't believe it kind of at first, you know, but like eventually over time, that good news can become old news. And you and I can lose the wonder and the amazement of how good Jesus has been to us. Philip, he's, 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 he's still got it. Like a sheep that was led to the slaughter. Oh man, that's, that's Jesus. He was denied justice. Yeah, that's Jesus. His life was taken away. Yeah, that's Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't die like 90 years old, sitting in a rocking chair watching his grandkids play. He was, his life was taken away from him. He's like, man, that is my Jesus. Now, if Philip is a good missionary in the Bible, there's another missionary we could talk about that was a really bad missionary. And that's a guy named Jonah who we see in the Old Testament. And, um, you know, both of them were successful, actually. I mean, this eunuch responds to the gospel and, you know, the story of Jonah, Nineveh responds to the gospel, right? Um, but if, if we're looking at kind of what's, what's good and what's bad, um, a lot of it's got to do with what's going on in their hearts. And, and Jonah, he knew a lot in his head, but he'd forgotten a lot in his heart. Like he had head knowledge of, like, of that God was good, but he'd forgotten how God had been good to him. So he would say things, if you know the story, he'd say things like, he was angry that like God saved the Ninevites. I knew you were going to do this. I knew that you were slow to anger. I knew that you were, I knew that you were abounding in, in, in mercy. I, I knew you were going to do this. Like he knew in his head that like God was this good God, but he'd forgotten that God had been good to him. And this is just a good lesson for us as Christians because this can happen. This may have happened to you. You may not even have realized it. 
is that you start off like amazed by the good news of Jesus and then you start learning, learning, learning all these things about, about God. And, and, and through the years, what can happen is like you can gain a lot of head knowledge, but it doesn't ever make it to your heart. The Bible says that knowledge will puff up, but the like love builds us up. And so it's not bad to learn all these, it's certainly not bad to learn about God, but, but it's, it's really dangerous to have head knowledge without heart knowledge. It's, it's dangerous to learn things about God that just make it to our head, but we never actually apply it to our own hearts and our own lives. So the good news about Jesus, is it still good news to you? Or has the good news become old news to you? Maybe all of this being a good missionary thing feels like another thing to do. That, that's, that's this kind of idea of like, it's just, it's just work. It's just a duty, right? Um, and and I, I would hope that this morning, God could, could come and, and restore joy. Move it from duty in a sense to delight. From just, I have to do it to, oh my gosh, I get to do this. Uh, I love what Dane Ortland said in his book, Gentle and Lowly. He said, it's the, and just maybe close your eyes. If that's you. Know, if that's you. Um, close your eyes. Let me just read this and just think about this. It is the son of Christ's heart, not the clouds of my sins that now define me. We who are in Christ, we no longer look to the future for judgment. We look to the past. At the cross, we see our punishment happening. All our sins, all our sins, my sins, your sins being punished in Jesus. God's love, as Jonathan Edwards puts it, is, quote, an ocean without shores or bottom. This is the greatest news in the history of the world. My, my friends, yeah, if that's, if that's you, I've, I've been there. I've been there and I've, when I've forgotten the good news that, of what Jesus has done for me. And that has turned every act of obedience, be it sharing a, you know, the gospel or anything else into, a, into work. I forget the, the delight that's there, the joy that's there, because man, look what Jesus has done for me. I'm gonna give you a chance to respond in just a second. But if you're here and you're uh, not yet a follower of Jesus, um, I'll tell you a little secret. Uh, this, I've, I've kind of talked this morning about a good missionary, but that's not really what the story's about, to be honest. Um, this is not really a story about a, a good missionary. It's a story about a good God. In fact, here's another secret. The whole Bible is like that. There's a lot, there's like hundreds and hundreds of these little stories. And they're all, they're, they're like, there's, there's stuff there, but really all the stories are about a good God. The Bible's a bunch of little stories telling one big story. And the story is how good God is. So even that story of Jonah, well, there's a sense in which it's a story about this guy, Jonah, who was really difficult and all the rest, but really that's not the story. It's not even about the Ninevites. Oh, the Ninevites, they all, no, that's, it's not really about them either. It's about this God who relentlessly pursued Jonah. Jonah ran and ran and ran. He ended up in the bottom of the ocean in a, in a fish's belly and God knew where he was and went after him. God is relentless. So this story here, uh, how is this story about a good God? Well, what we see here is, is this is a God who would not let this guy go on another moment wondering, not knowing, like, does this God love me? Does this God want me? Who is this God really? God was like, that morning he shook Philip, woke him up. Today was the day. Today was the day. Now, this guy was an Ethiopian. He was a eunuch. Uh, we can't get into all of that in, in the time we have, but let's just say he didn't fit the mold. He didn't fit the mold. When he went to Jerusalem, he, he, he likely stuck out. This was very different, very different world, different customs. He was very different to all these people in every single way. He was a Gentile. 
And these were Jews. And this was a, a, a faith that was born out of like Judaism. So he wanted God, but he probably would have been right to wonder, did God want him? He was going to religious meeting every now and again. He was reading the Bible every now and then. He was reading it, but not really understanding it and not knowing like, what does God think about me? Maybe you're like that eunuch. You're trying to, you know, be a good person. Um, and maybe you're here, you know, today just because you're trying to figure out who this God is. The amazing thing is that that's not why you're, why you're watching this. It's not because you're interested in who this God is. It's because this God wants to show you who he is. He sees right where you're at. And he knows everything about your chariot. He knows if it's stinky. He knows everything about your life. Like we, we like to put this presentable version of ourselves you know, out there. God knows what it's really like in your life. He knows all the mess, all the problems, all, this, all the anxiety, all the shame, all the guilt, everything, all the disappointment. He knows about all of it and he wants in on all of it. He's not saying clean your chariot up and then I'll come over when it's really nice. No, he wants in right now. He wants in. He wants to get in your chariot. He wants to change your life. He wants to show you how amazing Jesus is. And if that's you, the folks at, at One Tribe would love to pray for you this morning. They'd love to talk with you. They'd love to answer questions you might have. Um, if, if you're here and you're already a follower of Jesus, you know, maybe you, maybe you are feeling like, gosh, I've lost some of this, you know, um, some of what Philip had, this joy of telling anyone anywhere the good news about Jesus. I pray that you don't feel guilted into action. You know, what we could have done this morning is I could have told you a bunch of like sad statistics about Nairobi. I could have got on the internet and looked up a bunch of things and, and tried to basically motivate you out of, out of guilt. And that's, that's, that's a, it works, but it works for, I think, all the wrong reasons. A far better motivation is love and grace. In fact, Paul says when he describes what, what compels him, he says, it's Christ's love that compels me. My prayer for you this morning, my friend, is that the love of Christ would freshly compel you, freshly compel you. God's love is an ocean without shores or bottom. It is the greatest news in the history of the world. And so my prayer this morning is that you would be freshly reminded about Jesus's love for you and what he's done for you. And that that, that love would compel you as you go out and you love and serve that beautiful city where God's put you. You guys keep it up there. We're gonna keep it up here. And this is not forever. One day, one day we're gonna be together forever and we're gonna feast and we're gonna celebrate and we're gonna toast Jesus again and again for how amazing he is. Can't wait for that day. But until then, let's keep making much of him where we are. God bless you guys.